we've had clients who are not ready, right? They work and realize instead of giving them 80% coverage um, of detections for common TTPs, they're only getting 5%. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. So the attackers get in there and uh, they think they've broken in, but in reality, the blue team is sitting there just monitoring everything they do. So if the threat actor does manage to hop over the fence into prod, they're ready to see them and react to them. People don't rise to the occasion, they fall to the level of their training, right? Who says tech can't be human? Welcome back to the show. What is going on, everyone? We are here to talk about one of my favorite topics of all time, artificial intelligence, and a topic that can bring a bad day for any cybersecurity practitioner out there, and that is ransomware. Today, we are joined by Scott Sutherland. He is a vanguard in cybersecurity. He's been in for over 15 years doing all kinds of incredible things on the red and blue side of the house. He is the VP of research for NetSpy, the sponsor for this episode. And we're gonna talk a little bit about how do we get ready. Being ready is one of those tough things that we almost feel like we're never ready for in cybersecurity, but we are gonna talk about how do we get there today with something like artificial intelligence. Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Chris. Fantastic. You know, when I think about my entire career, I think about some of those pivotal moments, right? I spent time in the Marine Corps. I was at the National Security Agency. I got to spend some time at Netflix. I've been uh, formative in the, the role that I play here at Hacker Valley. Uh, and all of each and every one of those moments has changed my outlook on cybersecurity, my career. But what has been that pivotal moment for you in your career? Yeah, I have a group of people in my family who kind of grew up helping people. So I have this urge to go out and do something semi-altruistic. Um, but I also grew up steeped in 1990s, you know, hacker and uh, kind of like thief films. So, you know, that got kind of romanticized in my early years. And so as I started to come out of high school, you know, having already played with a lot of this technology, I started to think to myself, how could I make this a career where I could actually do something, you know, put something good into the world? And uh, luckily, information security was just starting to ramp up. So, you know, got into college, uh, really focused on partnering with some key mentors there who got me my first opportunities. And then also just spent a lot of time uh, volunteering out of the gate to try to understand like, what are the problem spaces that people are struggling with? So when I finally got into the job, real job market, um, I was a little bit more prepared, but that's kind of my personal journey, I guess, in a nutshell. No, I love it. You know, I love those heist movies. I love those spy movies, those are things that really have contributed to my interest in cybersecurity, hacking and technology. Let's talk a little bit about generative AI, right? Generative AI is one of those things that seemed to burst on the scene pretty much beginning of last year. And it's been pivotal to me and my career and all the stuff that I'm doing. What was your first introduction to generative AI from your personal perspective? Um, 
you know, we've been experimenting with it for chatbots. We've been experimenting with it for content generation and, you know, building attack paths and stuff for a while. Uh, I think, you know, when ChatGPT hit the scene, um, it really made it more accessible to a very large group of people. And in a lot of ways, that was really exciting and good. Um, you know, there's a lot less energy that you have to put in um, to get the same output. But the scary part about it was it made it easier for attackers as well. So now, as a defender, um, we're really trying to understand how are the bad guys going to use it? And how can we get in front of that? Absolutely. With your role at NetSpy, what are you all doing to help prepare the people out there to fight against those attackers that might be leveraging things like artificial intelligence? Because it's funny, when I first saw that, you know, AI is really becoming a thing, especially on the generative AI side, I thought it was going to be welcomed with open arms by cybersecurity practitioners. But honestly, it was kind of a mixed bag. Some people, they found it annoying. Some people found it to be oh, that's just hocus pocus. Nobody believes in that stuff. And I think that's a misstep because the attackers are leveraging AI to a great degree. So what what have you seen uh, from within NetSpy and in your position? I think it reduces the amount of time it takes for an attacker to identify a new vulnerability and weaponize it and uh, start using it at scale. So we're trying to understand that a little bit. Um, and Inversely, you know, that's an attacker perspective. Inversely, we have a lot of organizations rushing to be able to put AI in their marketing material, right? So whether there's a, a perfect use case or not, companies are working really hard to try to like get that into their set of tools, um, regardless of industry. And so what we're doing is we're partnering with a lot of those companies to help them do that securely. Um, because right now, you know, training a model, putting that model uh, into your app, and then making all of that information available via something like a chatbot sounds really, really cool, but it comes with a lot of risk, especially when it comes to privacy concerns. You know, a lot of these organizations are training their data on not just public information, but the private data that they've been collecting. Um, and so one of the biggest risks around generative AI is, you know, being able to leak that or, or trick the, the model into basically giving you information that you shouldn't have access to. Um, you know, a really good example of that might be, uh, I think this week, Twitter or the company formerly known as Twitter, right? Um, they released Grok or, or at least have, are t starting to talk about it. And they're claiming it's going to be, you know, have a little bit more sassy of an attitude, which I kind of enjoy that idea. Um, but they also mentioned as a sub bullet that they're going to be giving it live access to Twitter data. And that is a little bit scary, right? They're moving very, very quick. And I have to immediately ask the question, you know, is it just the publicly accessible Twitter data? Is it their DMs? Is it the movement? How much of my personal experience is going to be exposed through this chatbot to a larger population? So it's um, it's interesting and scary at the same time. You have to think about readiness, right? I, when I think about the word readiness, I think about my time in the Marine Corps, right? We always have to be ready in the Marine Corps. We always have to have the right gear, the right training, the right people in the right place to execute our mission. But you and I, before the podcast, we were talking about being fathers, right? You can't just walk out of the house anymore and just go somewhere with your kids. You got to be ready. You got to have the snacks. You got to have the toys. You got to have uh, all the things you need to be a dad uh, when you go out into the world. But when we think about the organizations out there, uh, readiness is not a nice to have anymore. It's a fundamental ethos that people need to think about because a bad day from a cybersecurity perspective can spell disaster for an organization. So when you think about readiness, uh, what are some of the tenants uh, that goes into readiness from your perspective? I've been in IT for quite a while. I'm an old dog. So, you know, I spent a lot of time reading NIST and reading CIS and it, it always comes back to like the core tenants. So you have prevention, you have detection, response and recovery, right? And so when it comes to ransomware and AI, like a lot of companies are still 
you know, depending on their size, might struggle in different areas. But if they can get those four down, they'll be a lot more resilient. They'll be a lot more ready for an attack when it comes. You know, when we think about ransomware specifically, um, a lot of those attacks, you know, for mid-sized businesses who maybe have less mature vulnerability management programs, mm -hmm. they have all kinds of exposures, right? They have those RDPs out on the internet. They have vulnerable applications that people can just exploit directly. Um, and so uh, they struggle just managing that attack service. Whereas, you know, larger organizations, are really struggling from a preventative perspective, not with those things as much, but with how to combat social engineering. So we think about like MGM, you know, the incident like not too long ago and how that was ultimately used as an entry point. So uh, it becomes very important at that front layer. And then once they land, uh, a big area where people are struggling is trying to understand what should I be trying to detect between the second they land in my environment and the second they deploy ransomware, because a lot happens in that space, right? Privilege escalation happens. They're moving around your environment, stealing your data, taking that data out of their environment. We, we really want to help people there. You know, some companies just aren't prepared to respond to that. They have an IR plan, but they don't have the roles and responsibilities defined. They don't know how to communicate um, to their employees, to the press, maybe to their business partners, right? You know, a lot of companies, you might not think about it, but they have downstream business partners. So if this system goes down or this data becomes unavailable, it's not just their business that's affected, it's their third parties. And there are fines and stuff uh, related to that that could have big impacts. So it's uh, it's interesting all around. Yeah, huge impact. I, I work with a lot of MSPs and MSPs, if they get hosed, then there's a lot of downstream organizations that are going to get hosed as well. Plenty of stories there. When I think about small to medium-sized businesses, a lot of times they feel like, oh, I'm just too small to target. But now you have things like automation. You have artificial intelligence. When it comes to operations like ransomware, you have ransomware as a service. Now you have criminals that don't even necessarily have to know the bits and bytes. They don't have to know the technology. They can just borrow the infrastructure for a little while, commit some crimes, and earn cash. And that's what makes things a little scary from that perspective. So when you think about the problems that are, are pressing these medium, small to medium-sized businesses or even on the en enterprise, what are some of the, the aspects of readiness that they need to be concerned with when it comes to things like ransomware? Yeah, making sure their perimeter, number one, their perimeter is secure. We, we talked about, right, it's not just firewalls, it's making sure you're locking down your applications and that every single place where you can authenticate into your environment is supported with multi-factor authentication. Now, attackers can and have gotten around multi-factor, but it is a big hurdle um, for a lot of attackers who, like you said, may, maybe they're just picking up a piece of kit and running with it. They don't really know how it works, right? So I think those are good first kind of steps. Um, and then, of course, just making sure that you're covering your best practices and, and bases in your vulnerability management program. Like good security hygiene goes a long way to preventing access, um, whether it's opportunistic or targeted. Uh, when I think about using generative AI, what I might use it for is maybe idea generation or maybe it'll give me a framework to, to utilize for writing something like screenplays. I've been writing screenplays for the past six or seven months and I've leveraged it for just, you, you know, setting myself up for success. A lot of people talk about this in the screenplay community, but you cannot just generate a great screenplay straight from generative AI. It's just isn't possible just yet. Is it going to get there? Probably it's going to get close, but you still have to have that human component. But what you can use uh, generative AI for is to give you that jump start. And so when we're talking about readiness from a ransomware perspective, I know you all are using generative AI in a pretty in innovative way when it comes to those readiness 
playbooks. Uh, tell us a little bit about that exercise. How did you all come to that conclusion that you wanted to leverage generative AI for playbooks and uh, and readiness? And what are you doing today? We're doing a, a few different interesting things. Um, we've kind of paired it with some traditional uh, service approach, right? So. Um, Typically, what we've been doing is we start out with uh, breach and attack simulation. So, you know, we take all of this information from all these sources to understand what most ransomware attackers do at each phase of the cyber kill chain. Um, and we go and we, we basically do a purple team type of exercise with the org to understand what can they see and what can they prevent, right? So what types of common behaviors that are known bad during post-exploitation do they get alerts for and, and what don't they? And then this creates kind of a foundation to build um, an attack scenario from, right? Um, so from here, we kind of take all that information and we build, uh, sometimes using generative AI as part of that experience, we feed it um, all of that knowledge and we generate a scenario that's kind of realistic, right? It's basically an outline for the worst day um, of an IT manager's life, right? So uh, what we then do is we feed that into a tabletop exercise where we kind of walk through and slowly peel back the onions of that scenario. So, you know, we're seeing it from IT's perspective, talking about how they would react to these things, how they would escalate. Um, like I alluded to earlier, it gives the teams an opportunity to talk about who owns what and what are the correct actions to take. You know, do we know who the business partners are? Do we know um, how to recover um, from from these like these types of things? And then um, Ultimately, that all feeds into uh, a ransomware bot, which we've created. Now, that's kind of a, it sounds malicious. We're not using it to deploy ransomware, to be very, very clear. Um, we're using it to um, basically coach individuals in regards to negotiations with a ransomware threat actor. So what we did is we went out to the internet. Everybody loves the internet. And, you know, there's all this breach data out there and there's all this ransomware information. So ransomware letters, uh, ransomware chats ransomware mm -hmm. kill chains, and we pulled all of it together and we used it to train a model to act as a real threat threat actor. So now we have a little app that you can feed in. How much revenue do you make per year? What's your mm. insurance coverage? How many employees do you have? And then you can say, and I want you to operate as as Lockbick, as Conti, as whoever, right? So, and it will actually try to take on the persona and work within the constraints that it knows about for that group. And it helps them experience something that normally they might not get to because you may or may not be aware, like a lot of insurance companies will require that if you become a ransomware victim, you're supposed to pull in their people who are professional negotiators, right? right. Um, but uh, the CISOs, the CIO, CTO, they don't always get that experience. So it allows them to like immerse themselves in that and kind of feel what it's like to struggle through and, um, you know, negotiate in a positive way. You know, what are some of the lessons learned um, that you're, partners in your insurance company might be going through. And a lot of people have found that to be a really positive experience. Um, so right now that's that's in the process. And then that uh, output of that also feeds into the incident response playbook, which then they can use to make sure that they have coverage going forward. So if they have that worst day, they know that they're prepared for it, which is, is super big. I guess one other note is that ransomware bot, like it's uh, it's gone through a number of iterations. You know, we've done prototyping where we just do pre-prompting, we've tuned models. Um, and uh, you know, in the near future here, we're going to be re releasing an open source version of that, which we're really, really excited about. We're, mm. we're a very big community shop, um, and we haven't released a lot of open source material in the ML AI space yet. Um, so that will be, you know, one of our, our kind of first big shares. I love it. I, I think that's brilliant. I need to jump in here for a second because our sponsor and friends at Nest Buy wanted us to ask you, our listeners, a question. Are you constantly wondering what else is on your attack surface? 
NetSpy has created an attack service management platform to help you make sense of it all. NetSpy has a team of skilled pen testers that can help you find those critical vulnerabilities and become your partner in creating the right remediation game plan for you. To learn more about NetSpy, visit netspy.com forward slash Hacker Valley and let them know we sent you. Thank you, NetSpy, for sponsoring this episode. Now let's get back to the conversation. You know, one of the things that I used to do uh, with the team there at Netflix while I was working there is we would have uh, every Friday, they would do this thing called Wheel of Fortune. And honestly, that is a practice that I took from there and every other team that I've led since then, we do something similar, right? Because it allows you to, to flex those mental muscles for how would you work through a particular scenario, but then having a bot that can give you... Uh, almost realistic counterpoints to the things that you're doing, I think is beyond incredible. And it's going to be a safe place for people to practice thinking through that ransomware situation. I'm sure that you've had some people try it. Uh, what have been some of the surprising stories or surprising outcomes from someone leveraging the bot to, to train themselves from a, a ransomware perspective? From a bot perspective, I think, you know, we've, we've done a lot to try to make it uh, enriched. I think people, so there's a lot of cross-linking. So one of the things that a lot of ransomware threat actors are willing to do is share proof that they have your data, that, they, you know, they can help you decrypt your data. Like those are important things for, you know, establishing trust. And so we built that into um, the bots uh, as such, right? Um, and what you get back are real links that go to, you know, we actually use generative AI to help us um, build links to documents that look real, right? So you can go and you click the link and there's data that looks like your data, but it's not your data, oh, wow. right? Um, um, so it's, it's a really fun experience. Um, also, I think, you know, a lot of the, of the people who have played with it so far are surprised, you know, how far they can get um, some of the, um, the discounts, if you will, um, but, uh, but they're also surprised by the amount of time that it takes. Like to negotiate down from up here to even, you know, going down 10% even can take a long time. Um, and the strategy for doing that um, is not always intuitive. Uh, so it's it's been a fun kind of learning experience for them as well. Um, and I think maybe lastly, one thing we're going to be releasing in a blog with the ransomware bot Um it's kind of an overview of analysis we did on all that open source data. So part of what we feed to both the model and as well as our clients is just kind of the, the 10 major steps. So we analyzed hundreds of, of ransomware incidents based on the publicly available info. And we, we were able to infer like 10 kind of common steps that, uh, you know, they can expect to see. So that's, that's also uh, been fun and, and something that we'll share hopefully in the next few weeks here. You know, what we're talking about today, it, it reminds me of two quotes. One is that People don't rise to the occasion, they fall to the level of their training, right? And so this bot will enable someone to train in a realistic scenario uh, in the inevitable uh, situation that they might find uh, when they get attacked by ransomware. But then also that everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face, and that's Mike Tyson. Could you give us a, a story of when uh, being ready, whether it's a customer or whether it's you all at NetSpy, do you have a story where being ready really saved the day, whether it was from a time, money, or resources perspective? I'll, I'll answer that in two parts. First of all, we've, we've had clients who um, are not ready, right, where we come in and they've dumped millions of dollars into controls and then had us come in and validate that they work and realize, you know, instead of giving them 80% coverage, um, of detections for common TTPs, they're only getting 5%. And they find, 
um, you know, just wasn't configured correctly or their telemetry is broken or whatever. So there are negative extremes, which leave them very vulnerable um, and blind essentially to attackers. But there's there's the inverse as well. I've, I've had the privilege of working with some amazing security operation teams who really have their stuff together. And those, those groups do a few uh, interesting things that we've seen kind of trend across different orgs. The first thing they do is they try to reduce their attack surface. So first of all, they want to they want to make a smaller target, right? You know, smaller targets are harder to hit, is the idea. Um, and once they have that small target, then they go through all of their scenarios uh, and, and their you know known TTPs and procedures to try to harden it um, and build detections to identify potentially malicious behaviors, files, you know, both the known bad and potentially known bad. Deception technology is basically creating fake assets. So fake applications, fake accounts, fake systems and networks that feel, smell, taste real, but they're not. And so the attackers get in there and uh, they think they've broken in, but in reality, the blue team is sitting there just monitoring everything they do. And that allows them to profile the threat before it's broad. So that allows them to create detection rules for that specific threat actor and then apply them to production. So if the threat actor does manage to hop over the fence into prod, they're ready to see them and react to them. So it's uh, really, really neat to watch people do it right. Yeah, I'd love deception technology. Uh, when I first found people were using things like canaries, using different things, different assets, different applications, different documents to trick uh, the adversary. Because even if, let's say, you do have a breach and someone's poking around your network, even if your other conventional solutions don't catch them or, or block them or anything like that, they are going to slow down once they even stumble across the canary. They're like, okay, hold on. There are landmines land in these waters, so we need, to, <laughs> we need to figure out what's going on. And they might be a little bit more careful. And so that's one of those technologies that I just found uh, to be brilliant. You know, we've been working with you all for quite a long while. And, you know, it's one of those things that it seems like you all are dedicated to the community, whether it's through education, whether it's through bringing different solutions and open source projects to the community for people to use. So what is it about NetSpy? What are those, what is that core value that you all adhere to that really pushes you forward to give more to the community? Yeah, I think it's our, our core, our core kind of uh, cultural center is collaboration, right? Not just within the organization, but between organizations and, uh, you know, within the community. I think right now, security is not solved, right? We have all these controls that do a lot of different things. Attackers are still getting in. They're still deploying ransomware. Um, every new technology that comes out, attackers seem to adopt, um, you know, much faster than the defensive teams you know, do. So I, I think NetSpy's goal is to really fill that gap, right? You know, stay out in front of the new technologies so that we can help clients fill holes um, really uh, before attackers uh, can apply their trade, right? Um, and as part of that, you know, it, it's outreach. So we have the open source um, projects that we try to release, you know, the ransomware things coming down the pipeline. Uh, we do a lot of presentations, trainings at conferences that we, we provide to folks. And then we have this program that's called Nets by You, which is tr really trying to, in a meaningful way, engage the community and bring them on um, where we, you know, we reach out to students, to IT folk, to um, developers who want a career change to move into cyber and help us solve these problems. And when we bring them on, they basically go through three to six months of, of boot camp, probably not as rigorous as uh, maybe the Marines or the NSA, uh, but, you know, 
they, they get familiar with processes and technology real quick. Um, and it's, it's really helped us scale to the problem because negative unemployment with our clients is also a huge problem. So they, they've been leaning on us pretty hard. I won't say we're solving that globally yet, um, but hopefully in the future, it's something we can help with. Yeah, I mean, that's a perfect segue to the, the three-phase approach that you all do at NetSpy. Uh, Scott, tell us a little bit about that three-phase approach uh, from NetSpy. Obviously, you have bra uh, breach and attack simulation, IR tabletops, and then you get to those custom runbooks, which you're just kind of hinting towards. Tell us about where that phase approach came from and how it's been implemented today. Good question. I mean, we started with breach and attack simulation originally um, because people kept having us coming in to do, to do tabletops and we were also doing their penetration tests and the tabletop results didn't match up with the reality of the pen test. And so we started to work with our clients and partners to, to figure out a way to, to better measure detective control coverage um, and make sure that that's communicated up through the chain and then reflected in their runbooks. right? Um, so it started there. And then fed into you know the the bass kind of feeds into the tabletop so we could get the best of both worlds naturally ai seemed like a a good fit and a novel way to engage people in a way that you know makes it a little bit more fun you know tabletops can be a little dry sometimes um so having a way to enrich that experience was um was important to us and then the ir tabletops you know it, it's one thing to say you know your ship's broken we need to be able to go in and give them solutions for fixing and patching the holes so that's what the run book is all about um you know building that with our partners in a way that really helps focus in on their specific problem space because um not everybody's environment is uh the same right like we're not prioritizing everything the same way for an e-commerce company as we would a manufacturing company right so um it's important to kind of partner with them so that we we can help them in a, a kind of more pointed way. Yeah, I mean, and that's a great segue to my next question about the the bot itself, uh, the ransomware bot. When you are dealing with a different uh, entity, when you're dealing with a different vertical or industry, are you able to tweak and tune and give additional data to the bot in order to sculpt it really for their particular scenario? That's what we're working on implementing uh, right now in the bot. So if you look at a lot of the annual trends, you know, we have like a, a lot of great uh, annual reports uh, from Mandiant, from Verizon Business, Red Canary, the list goes on, right, CrowdStrike. Um, and a lot of these reports do reflect that um, there's a higher likelihood of ransomware attack if you're in this industry, if you're in this region, or if you... Um, work out of multiple regions, that increases your risk as well. You know, a lot of this trend data has been consumed by insurance companies and as reflected in their, you know, conditions and in their pricing. Um, so we're trying to pull in a lot of that contextual information into the model so that it reflects how not just the likelihood of a, a ransomware incident, but what techniques and what threat actors you'd likely run into um, depending on on those conditions. Could you give us a hint uh, about how you might be leveraging generative AI in the future, wh whether you're talking about ransomware or even other attacks as well? I mean, I think uh, people love data. Um, data, you know, is a starting point for most people. They want to use it to help better understand their risk, how to prioritize remediation to reduce that risk. But I think what the, the industry as a whole lacks right now is really storytelling, right? Um, execs, boards, consumers want to understand it in plain English. They don't want to necessarily even look at a chart in some cases. They want someone to tell them a story. How did this, how did we get in this position? Um, what is the impact to my business, right? Or, or me personally, and what can I do to fix this and, and prevent it from happening in the future? So I think um, 
the generative AI um, as a as a capability um, is going to allow a lot of industries, including InfoSec, um, to create more of a, a storytelling medium that a lot of people will consume in a slightly different way than they do today, instead of just a metric sheet. Storytelling. I, I tell everybody it's all about storytelling at the end of the day, whether you're building a program, whether you're asking for resources, but leveraging AI for storytelling is going to give somebody that leg up against the competition. What is that final bit that you would want everybody to know about you, about NetSpy, about the ransomware bot uh, that you would like to share with everyone today? Um, yeah, I guess NetSpy as a whole, we're just trying to stay on the bleeding edge and trying to engage people to solve some of these big problems. Um, it's a very exciting space to be in. Um, so engage us, engage me, um, you know, through the open source community or directly um, on Twitter um, and LinkedIn. So uh, please do reach out uh, if you do have interest. Scott, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to hop on the mics with us and chat about AI and ransomware. Um, We're going to drop all the links so you can learn more about Scott, learn more about NetSpy and that whole team and everything that they're doing to keep everybody that much more safe. And with that, we are going to see everyone next time. <laughs>